Welcome back to the Bar Blue Podcast, everybody. As always, we're sponsored by Scott West Shellfish, Spartan BK Fight Club, and Mr. Bloom's Black Seed Oil Mechanics. Today, it's we've got a regular guest on, I can now say, uh, Mr. Steve Wraith. How are you doing, my friend? Great, mate. Great to see you. Um, as always, good to be back uh, on the Bad Blood Podcast. Been following it with interest, and uh, as always, you're doing some great stuff, keeping it real and uh, building your numbers as well, which is what it's all about when you're in the podcast world. Uh, just trying, just trying, Steve. Uh, it's wow. Where do we start? It's uh, it's been pretty hectic for you for this last oh, how many? Did I say weeks, months? Um, couple of months, couple of months, yeah. Oh, a couple of months. Uh, would you just like to explain? Because I, I, I'll, I'll jump straight into it. Obviously, we've got the conclusion of the both lie detector tests on Stephen Sales and Paddy Conroy. Um, I, I seen a video earlier on of what he did yesterday, and some of the stuff he's coming out with is. You would say it's resorting to because it's on, on a personal level that he's having to dig for things now, which are seems absolutely fabricated. Would you? I mean, look, the, the, the whole thing is 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 like kids in a playground. It really is, and and from my perspective, I'm I'm stuck in the middle of um, a, a war of words between Paddy Conroy and Stephen Sears. Uh, Stephen Sears is somebody who I've got to know very well over the last 20 years. I uh, got to know him first in Franklin Prison when um, I was visiting Charlie Cray uh, in there in his final sentence. Stephen and Michael Sears were both looking after uh, Charlie Cray. He spoke very highly of them. I'd obviously heard of the Sears because back in those days I was doing the doors in Newcastle-upon-Tyne. And from my perspective, I'd, I got to know Stephen when he got out. I was introduced to him by his cousin, as I was introduced to most faces in the town, I got to know the Conroys, I got to know the Tams very well, I got to know the, the Harrisons, you name it, I knew them. And similarly to the people who I knew in Gateshead, you know, I knew the likes of Big Billy Robinson, um, I knew the Bells, um, you name it, you know, you, you get to know these faces and, you know, in and around the bars or pubs or whatever. And for me, Stephen was no different, but I just got on with him, you know, uh, you know, he was a few years older than me, but, you know, I knew his reputation, but, I, I never pretended to be anything I wasn't. I was a, you know, I was a doorman in Newcastle City Centre, and I always played it the sensible way, as in, you know, you get on with everybody, um, and you know, if, if there's any issues, you deal with them accordingly, and you know, you you speak to people, and 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 that was that was the way that I did the doors. Um, got on very well with the Conroys as well. I, I had some great nights out with, uh, you know, a lot of the the, the Conroy family, and, and you know, in, in those days in the nineties, we used to go out. Would go to you know you go to bars or you go to clubs. People recognise you from doing the door, and you know you'd end up getting a drink, or you know you'd, you'd end up spending time with these people. And you know, the nineties was a great time to be alive, as far as you know, as far as I was concerned. I had some great nights out, and I treated people with respect, and I got the respect back, and that was that was all I ever really wanted. I never had any issues outside of work because I didn't mug anybody off on the doors, and 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 that was it. And the one or two incidents I did have were always you know always you know, ended amicably and, and, and that was the way I always was. But yeah, the this this thing that we've ended up being involved in over the last couple of months has been nothing short of bizarre. And where do I start with it? Well, obviously we know that, you know, Paddy made a five-page statement a couple of years ago to get Stephen arrested after Stephen had put something on his 
Facebook page uh, making an allegation against Paddy. Uh, Paddy rings the police, gets Stephen nicked. Stephen then goes to court. Paddy thinks he's going to have his day in court against Stephen because Stephen uh, pleads not guilty. Stephen gets to court, um, pleads guilty. Stephen's given a fine, a conviction, and walks free. Paddy doesn't get his day in court with Stephen. It's as simple as that. Stephen then goes back onto Facebook, uh, repeats what he's already said, and then Paddy disappeared into the ethos. Took his, took his social media accounts down. We didn't see anything of him. And uh, suddenly, a couple of years later, he's decided to come onto uh, YouTube and start making videos about the situation. Clearly feels that his name um, has been blackened and he wants to now have a go at not only Stephen, but me as well. Why me? Because... I wrote Stephen's best-selling book, tried and tested at the highest level um, and published the book. I also wrote Operation Sears, which is about the Operation Inside case. I also did tried and tested the documentary. And I'm also currently working on developing the film. That's why I am the one who's been targeted. Now, I'm looked at as the agent. He thinks I'm Stephen's agent. I'm not. I'm Stephen's writer and publisher. I'm not his agent. I don't manage Stephen Sears' diary. I don't manage Stephen Sears' life. Um, you know, but I am somebody who, you know, has helped him achieve his goals as far as books and documentaries and, and hopefully the film's concerned. Um, but that's that's where we're at. He, he's decided to have a pop and, and accuses of stuff. And I think he's been doing something in the region of two to three videos a day for the last eight months. So if you work that out in layman's terms, that's 180 videos he's posted over the course of two months. Um, a lot of them defamatory. A lot of them saying things about me which are untrue and defamation of character. So I've spent the last two months reporting the videos to YouTube and having them taken down because they're all inaccurate. They're all lies. Um, but that's very time consuming for somebody like me who has a lot going on and I'm involved in a lot of projects. Um, have I been concerned or worried about it? No. Um, you know, I'm not losing any sleep over it. However, you know, I decided after speaking in depth to Stephen and, and speaking to Richard Haswell, uh, Stephen's solicitor, that we needed to do something about it. And, and between us, we have responded accordingly on my YouTube channel and put this man at the bed and put it to rest. And I think, as everybody will see, if they watch Stephen Sears' lie detector test, Subsequently, my my two programs about the lie detector results, because thanks to Revelation Films, I managed to get a copy of uh, Paddy's first lie detector test, which he, he claims he's had two. Um, you know, Absolutely. I believe he probably has had two, but nobody has a copy of the second one. Um, but I've put the results up of both. It clearly shows that they both passed lie detector tests, but on separate things. So it's just become an absolute nightmare. And I sit and watch wars between podcasters on YouTube, like you probably do, shaking my head going, my God, are these people for real? And now we've ended up slap bang in the middle of one ourselves, which is absolutely mental. It, it, it's weird as well, because in the podcast world, I, I've been a big fan of podcasts throughout my life. Well, since I started and become a little bit notorious, I remember watching them on Ustream when Joe Rogan started. They all seem, uh, they help each other. They they all seem to have each other on each other's podcasts and seem to share. And I found it that what you've just said there is quite common among the UK podcasters. It seems to be a battle for this, that, and everything. When yourself, you're being dragged into it when you really don't want to. Yours is a football channel. Um, 
I do understand where you're coming from when you say Paddy went off the radar and then come back on because I had a phone call from Scotland. I'm not going to name the team who phoned us, but uh, the lovely people. Um, and he tried to instigate something for me, obviously knowing that I'm a sponsor of one of the sales, uh, by trying to say that I asked him on our podcast. I mean, I know we've only been going a year, but um, it does look like coincide with you saying he's just resurfaced within the two year. Um, but this was just at the beginning of the year or just before the year. So I do get where you're coming from. With him saying he has done a second lie detector test. Um, with me having that, with him saying that about us, I don't think I believe him on that. I don't, it, unless we see the actual evidence. Do you feel mm. the same way? I believe I believe he did a second lie detector test. Um, unfortunately for him, there is no, by the sounds of it, at the moment, at this moment in time, there is no video evidence of either of those lie detector tests. Um, I have that written transcript from uh, Revelation Films, which you know, with regards to the first one, um, I do believe he did a second one. Um, so you know, I, I, you know, I think that you know, if that could be made public it would be very interesting. I would like to see it myself. I'd like to know what were the other three relevant questions that he was actually yeah. asked because, you know, that in, 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 in a lot of ways will, will also clear up, I guess, for his behalf, um, you know, the allegations which were, were made against him. Um, obviously, I've, I've had to take, you know, in, you know, notice to what, you know, what has gone on, um, you know, over the last two months. And, uh, you know, have, investigate in, into the situation that developed between him and Stephen. And I believe that, you know, that I know what, what actually happened with, with the laptop that was taken when his house was raided. And I believe that I know what was on that laptop. And I believe I know um, who was suspected of putting that on that laptop. That's, that's you know, that's what I'm going to say. And the reason I'm speaking, it sounds to those who are probably unaware of this particular story, um, I'm, I'm simply speaking in riddles because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to bring the, uh, you know, the, the troubles that we've had on the Bad Blood podcast. But anyone who follows the story and knows the story, um, you could probably, you know, Google Stephen Sears and Paddy Conroy fallout on, and, and put vice at the end of it. And if you look at the vice website, it's all clearly explained on there. But what I don't want to do is get Lee's podcast into trouble by mentioning anything that I shouldn't. So, you know, from my perspective, I do believe that, you know, the truth could out if that other lie detector test came about. And I have asked Revelation Films that they've got it. They, at this moment in time, can't find it. I do know that Terry Mullins, if he did have a copy, couldn't share it with us because of data protection. But what he said to me was that everything was destroyed. Those lie detector tests that Paddy did were all destroyed in 2013 because he gave permission for them to be destroyed after one year, which was what the situation was with data protection at that time. So, so I don't think we'll ever see that unless Revelation Films can find a copy of it. Um, and if they can, great stuff. I think Paddy will be happier than we are about that. But, um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't do him the disservice of saying I don't think he did a, a second lie detector test. And I'd, I'd like to know what was on it myself. Um, he clearly, he clearly thinks um, that it was about you know, certain subjects, I'd like to see that for myself if I, if I possibly could, because I think that would draw a line under that as well. Um, you know, but it, it's it's just, you know, it's it's been, you know, the last two months has been a, a challenge really for me just on the work side of things, just to try and, you know, just trying to close the stuff down that he's putting up. I don't personally believe 
that he has done this off his own back. I believe he is having his strings pulled and he is being manipulated from somebody else who has an ulterior motive. And I think that person is playing people off against each other, um, you know, for their own ulterior motive. What that motive is, I think I have a good idea. Again, I've not said that on my podcast. I'm certainly not going to say it on anybody else's, but I believe I know who's behind it. I believe I know what their ulterior motive is. And, um, you know, I, you know, I'll wait to see what the developments will be over the next couple of months, I guess. Well, if we're talking riddles, I can talk riddles as well. Um, I, I, I believe I know who you're alluding to. I had a particular guest on, and because I had that particular guest, um, they had a particular um, falling out, and I got a phone call also of them. Um, I do believe, like I say, I, 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 I can't say it on camera, as you can't, but I do believe it's matched, and I do believe it's the exact same people. So I... I, I I'm with you on that line. Like, I, I totally understand that. Where do you think this ends, Steve? Um, I would like to think it ends now. But unfortunately, I haven't watched numerous videos that have come up over the last uh, over the last 48 hours. It's clear that there's just going to be a new direction. Um, I certainly don't feel that I'm going to be wasting any more time or energy on this because I think that anybody who stumbles across his uh, ramblings on his channel... Um, who then transfers over to my channel and sees what we've put up there, I believe that people will just see it for what it is. Um, there, there is fact and there is fiction. Um, you know, the, the facts are quite, quite clearly lined up. I think he, you know, he set off to, to, to try and cause Stephen some embarrassment and, and call him a police informer. It's quite clear that Stephen's never been a police informer. And, you know, Paddy holds Terry Mullins at such high esteem um, he's ranted and raved about him for two months that we thought that the only way of, of putting this to bed was to actually go and see Terry ourselves and get Stephen to do the lie detector. Um, it's quite clear that when, when you watch the lie detector test in its entirety and then you listen to what Terry says in the subsequent letter, which we review, that Stephen passed it with flying colours. Um, he was satisfied that Stephen hadn't been on recreational drugs or any stimulants and that Stephen passed the, you know, the lie detector accordingly as did Paddy Conroy when he took his lie detector test. So, you know, it, 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 as far as I'm concerned, we, we, covered, we covered what Stephen wanted to cover. I didn't ask Stephen to do the lie detector test. He wanted to do it himself. It was his idea. And, um, you know, I'm glad we, we took the 566 all-round trip to Essex in one day to go and do it for him because he certainly felt as if a, a great weight had been lifted off his shoulders when he came back. Um, as far as I was concerned, you know, the stuff that he's throwing around about me, um, I can laugh it off. I, I, you know, I genuinely can laugh it off. You know, the fact that he's calling us gay, he's saying that I sat on Ronnie Cray's knee. He's can I interrupt you there, Steve, for a second? Yeah. Because I, who hasn't been into gay clubs before? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, who I, enjoy, I enjoy Newcastle's nightlife, full stop, mate. Um, and I've got to be perfectly honest. When you're, when you're in the spotlight and you, you put your head above the parapet, as I do then, you know, if I go out for a Newcastle game in town and I go to places at the top end of town in the big market or, you know, Percy Street or, or Gray Street, I will guarantee you that my night will be taken up talking about Newcastle United and what the score was, whether the takeover is going to go through, um, you name it. If I go down to the pink triangles, as it's, as it's known, 
in the northeast. I guarantee you that me and my mates will have a good laugh and I won't get bothered about football. I won't get asked about what's happening with the takeover. It's very rare. We tend to mix the night up. We'll go to different places. We'll go to places in and around that area. Um, not saying we'll go down there all the time, but it's just nice. It's a nice change. I maybe go, you know, I might go to South Shields. I might go to, um, I might go to Wickham. I might go to Low Fell. You know, it, it, you know, I go to different places. But you know, going to those gay bars is, is something which I've I've enjoyed. I know a lot of gay and lesbian Newcastle fans. Yeah. Uh, spent a lot of time. A lot spent a lot of time. There's one one family I know who, um, you know, they, they will come out and go out after the match, and they love going down there and. It's not somewhere I would have ever dreamt of going until people took me down there. And I thought, well, it's interesting. I worked on the door down there when Sugar opened. It was the first heterosexual club to open in the gay scene. And, um, you know, I, I worked down there for about six or seven months. And it was uh, it was an eye-opening experience, I've got to be honest. <laughs> um, but Paddy just seems to think that I'm a soft touch. He thinks I'm somebody who can be got at or wound up or whatever. Well, he doesn't know me. He doesn't realise that I'm I'm not that person that he thinks I am, and you know if he thinks that sitting calling calling names and calling this Mister Humphreys on his podcast channel is is gonna is gonna get like some kind of negative reaction or that I'm gonna be really concerned and you know, and whatever, it's not the case. I'll shut his videos down, um, like I have done using the correct methods, but um, you're picking on the wrong person is is what I what I want to say to him. What I'd like to say, and I've said this on other people's podcasts, is, you know, I'd be more than happy to meet him face to face. I don't understand why he's doing it on YouTube. Let's get a let's get a meeting sorted and let's let's talk like men face to face. You've got a problem with me, then let's sort it out. And um, I'm more than happy to do that. And I'll come by myself. You and Bullock can come and, you know, turn up and sit down at the table. Um, you know, I want it somewhere neutral. I'm certainly not uh, traipsing all the way, way up to where he lives and, sitting in a monkey shed with bloody a rat down the toilet. I, I, I want to, you know, I'll have a face-to-face in, in somewhere sensible, but I doubt that'll ever happen. You know, I just think he likes to listen to the sound of his own voice now. Um, I think he likes to, you know, he likes to, you know, just to have a pop. He thinks he thinks he's got a bit of an audience now with over 3,000 subscribers. Um, and I think up until the point where the lie detector test does, he probably had convinced a few people that he was talking a lot of sense. But what I saw when the lie detector test came out was I saw the tide turn and I saw a lot of people who'd been half convinced by him now turn on him and, um, you know, tell him to, you know, to, to keep, keep off the green, uh, you know, to, to sort his medication out and just to stop making a fool of himself. And uh, never, a wider, never a wiser word spoken, I would say. But um I, you know, listen. I've said it before. I get on very well with with a, with with a, the various families in Newcastle. I always have. I've always been respectful of people. I've got no problems with any of the Conroy family. Um, you know, I've got a lot of respect for them, and uh, you know, and the other families in Newcastle. Um, but I'm just very disappointed that it's it's come to you know to me having to come out and speak on numerous channels, including my own, about about something which really is is nothing to do with me personally and. To say that I've launched a smear campaign, well, it's absolute rubbish. It's absolute rubbish, you know. It started yeah. itself. Do you think it, at any point, I, I know you said it, it will never happen, but yeah. would that ever be at, at in a in a room? Would it be? It, obviously, if security, um, would that ever be a time in a, a point in time where Stephen? Uh, Paddy 
yourself, Bullock, and somebody else would ever sit around a round table and get it out on camera? I genuinely don't think Paddy would turn up. I don't think he would want to do that. Um, he would find he would he would find some excuse. I mean, he rants and raves about doing stuff and then doesn't do it. But I don't think you could ever have Stephen and Paddy in the same room because you know Stephen is, you know Stephen is so annoyed. I would say at, at this whole situation with with Paddy, um, you know, more annoyed than the fact that he's challenged him on more than one occasion to have a fight for charity, and you know then he. You know, he won't do that. Um, you see, that that fight situation is where the tide turned on me. And that was a situation where Stephen wanted a, to, to challenge Paddy to a fight. He contacted a, a neutral guy in Stu Armstrong and Joe Ramsey, who were promoting, you know, unlicensed boxing in the Northeast at the time. And then he essentially got David Fraser, Frankie Fraser's son, to, to give him a bell and say, look, they want to have a fight. Um, for charity, will you do it? Paddy went mental, um, wasn't happy, went straight onto Facebook and said that he was going to fight me. Now, why he said he was going to fight me was because my name either got dropped in by Joe or Stu or David, whoever, somebody mentioned my name. And this is where the, 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 you know, the campaign against me started. So for an hour on his Facebook page, it said, I, I'm, I'm going to fight Steve Wraith for charity. Loads of people then started chipping in on his Facebook page. Then he took it off. Then I got a, an inbox from him, more or less, you know, threat. It was a subliminal threat to say, I'll catch up with you at some point, you know, keep out of my business. And I was like, well, I've, done, I've not done anything wrong yet. Why is he sending us that? I replied to him and then he, he just blocked us. He cut us off. So I thought, well, you know, what can I do to that? I don't have a phone number for him. There's nothing I can do. Um, you know, again, I didn't lose any sleep over it, but I just thought, you know, I, it's ridiculous. This is, this is something that somebody else has done and it's not my fault and I'm, I'm stuck in the middle of it. Um, there was then obviously, you know, a, a, an exchange of words between Stephen and Paddy on social media. And that's when things built up towards the, the inevitable arrest of Paddy, his computer being taken. And then, you know, the inevitable thing that happened on, on the internet. And that's, that's been the buildup to it. But if you want, if you want us to point the fingers to where this all really started, it's, it's McIntyre, you know, when McIntyre interviewed Paddy, um, the Sears brothers were in prison and he started, you know, slagging the family off and, and calling them coppers and saying that he'd beaten, beaten them up and, it just became, you know, it just became a farce. It became a merry-go-round. And then you had Bernard O'Mahony, who befriended Paddy, was going to write his book in the name of my father. And then for some reason decided not to write the book. Him and Paddy then parted company. And then a book comes out called, you know, called Fog on the Time, which, you know, gives a false impression of some kind of gang war between the Sears, the Conroys and the Harrisons. And, you couldn't get further from the truth. Anybody who lives in the West End of Newcastle knows that the Sears and the Conroys, you know, most of the time got on. Um, but the Paddy had an issue with the Sears for whatever reason, and there was a fallout between them. And there's a lot of untruths being told. I mean, he seems to think that I've gone out and interviewed uh, Phil Berryman. Um, you know, he keeps he keeps saying that I've this is part of the smear campaign. I, I interviewed Phil Berryman. I didn't do that, Lee, because that was a guy called Paul Frost, who used to be on Northeast News on ITV, who's from the same area as Phil Berryman. 
he said that I, he seems to think I've been involved in Phil Berryman's book. I didn't. Phil Phil did the book himself, The Wacky Backy Boat, which is a great read. And he put that up on the internet and did it himself. I've met Phil Berryman once. I met him in Blake's Cafe in Newcastle and we had a sit down and a talk about potentially republishing his book, bringing it out as a, a paperback with my company at the time. Nothing came of it. You know, we, we agreed we agreed it wouldn't take it any further. That's the only involvement I've had with Phil Berryman, although he did help me and, and allow me to, uh, you know, publish some of the extracts from his book in Operation Sears, which were, which were a big help. Uh, but other than that, never dealt with Phil Berryman. Um, so just another lie in, in a long list of lies which have been perpetrated about me. And, and, it, and, and like we said, like we started there, that, you know, the, you know, the accusation of it being gay, uh, sitting in Ronnie Cray's knee, sucking Ronnie and Reggie Cray off on visits. I mean, you've got to laugh at it because it's that stupid um, to, to even suggest that that was going on in a in, in Broadmoor Hospital in front of nurses and, and other people and saying the turned a blind eye. But you see, he wants a reaction. I, I, I get the impression what he wanted me to do was panic and and then potentially make some kind of statement, ring the police. Um, and then he could have sat on his YouTube channel and said, See, Steve Reyes made a statement. You know, it's just the same as you know. Yeah. I, I get that. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. You wanted me to do, um, but what he hasn't given much consideration to Lee, is is the victims as well in in some of these unsolved crimes. Um, I saw one exchange um, where where he was trying to say that you know uh, Viv Graham's son uh, was was murdered, and I thought that was I thought that was despicable. Oh, uh, that you would even suggest that. Then I saw somebody who clearly was family. Um, really going nuts at, at, at that suggestion, and but you know, I'm always aware when I'm doing books on crime, whether it was Paul Ferris's book, Paul Massey's book, Assayer's book, um, anything on the craze, I'm always very um, aware of not only the victims but the victims' families, mate. And that's you know, that's something which you should never forget when you're covering true crime. Yeah, you've got to uphold the respect of because at the end of the day, it. it, it that life might be that life, but they're human at the end of the day and they have families and relatives and these relatives sometimes aren't involved in that life. Um, so yes, I, I just found it very weird how he did say that and some of that, because I, I know you apologised on a couple of your other podcasts about it, about having to dig up the past. I mean, because there has been a couple of more that he has said, I mean... This is, I, I don't know why he's digging up old pasts for. He'd done the same with Brian, uh, the tax man, Brian Cockle. Uh, it, it seems to be that he's just clasping to get any attention whatsoever. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't understand where he is coming from with regards to some of these cases and trying to, you know, trying to pin them for whatever reason on Stephen and the Sears family. Um, obviously, I've done my research into some of the cases mentioned, and you know the, the Kicker Minikin case, which he keeps referring to on a regular basis, is a missing person case. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, he's been missing since 1986, um, and he keeps bringing that case up for, for whatever reason, and he also talks as if the person is dead. Now, you know, when someone disappears, then, you know, you, your obviously mind is going to be of that set. Is that person done a, you know, a Reggie Perrin and 
you know, dumped his clothes and walked into the sea to, to get away from life? Has he, has he been, you know, involved in some kind of crime? Has he been involved in some kind of accident? You know, nobody really knows. And um, that's why this person is a missing persons case. I would wonder why Paddy is making such a meal of that particular situation and, and mentioning that all the time, but also why he would sit and talk about a grave about doing a live podcast from a graveside um, when nobody really knows if this person's dead. And I think that family must be going through absolute hell right now because if they're seeing this and, and, and watching somebody say that they know where somebody is buried, then, wow, uh, you know, I am very surprised that nobody has contacted the police about that and brought it to the police's attention and had Paddy Conroy arrested because he clearly knows more about that than anybody else does. So I find that really strange. Um, you know, he denies that he's a, um, you know, a police informer. Um, again, you know, our paperwork would suggest otherwise. Phil Berryman's book would suggest otherwise. Phil Berryman's documentary would suggest otherwise. Bernard O'Mahony's interview with Phil Berryman would suggest otherwise. So you have to ask yourself, with all of those fingers pointing towards Paddy and then him announcing on a YouTube channel on more than one occasion that he's willing to take Decker Heggie to a grave, um, you have to ask yourself what is actually going on with that. Are the authorities giving him enough rope to hang himself is he being disingenuous or is he being genuine about that? You just, you scratch your head. Um, I know one thing, um, something is clearly going to come of that, mm -hmm. but what is going to come of it? I don't know. Um, I know nothing about the case other than what I've read in Operation Insight. And of course that was part of the Operation Insight case. Um, and if you look on my YouTube channel on the Steve Wraith YouTube channel, we explain what Operation Insight is and was. Um, and the Kicker Minigan disappearance is in there. Um, but again, you know, everything in that Operation Insight case, there was some pros and there's some cons. There was some evidence to suggest involvement by X, Y, and Z, but then there was too many discrepancies. And you have to remember that Operation Insight came from the guy who was supergrass in the particular um, Freddie Knight's trial, which was Lee, Lee Watson. Mm -hmm. So there's a hell of a lot. It's a, it's, it's a hornet's nest. It's, it's a what, I've, what, I've, what I've actually had, you know, the luxury of is, is going through depositions, reading the transcripts, reading the court cases. And I've had a lot of time to do that. I've made a point of doing it when I was writing Operation Sears. It's very, very difficult. It's a tangled web at times. One thing that stands out is a lot of the witnesses, um, you know, and, and a lot of the people who, who get people into the dock uh, are, are either drug addicts um, or they're, and they're, and they're coppers narcs, they're, they're, they're informers. And these people are, you know, are people whose words you generally wouldn't trust. And, you know, it's, it's a strange, strange, strange situation. But getting back to Paddy actually going on and, and, and starting to, to say this one is linked to that one. I mean, he, he linked the Sears to, you know, Freemasonry, hence the T-shirt. 
uh, keeps calling me Mr. Freemason and says we're all in together. And a murder, in, an unsolved murder down south, which had just, just hit the news recently. And you're thinking, what on earth are you going on about? You know, I mean, it just gets more bizarre by the, by the week. But, um, you know, will it ever end? I just genuinely, I genuinely don't see it end. And, and my, my feeling, like I said before, is still that there's somebody behind them pulling the strings and, you know, motivating them and helping them. Because by his own admission, he's not technically minded. He's clearly working from a script whenever he goes on because he's looking at a bit of paper where he's jotted notes down. So someone is prompting him on that. And he keeps using deflectionary tactics with some of the stuff that he's talking about. So he talks quite clearly on occasions about the Tiger Tiger incident where I have no reason to lie that Paddy Conroy was there that night at Tiger Tiger with Paul Massey and Michael Bullock and another man who I won't mention for personal reasons because I know the guy and I'm sure he doesn't want to get dragged into this. But they keep denying it. And, you know, he's saying he's going to have lie detector set up for me to, to, you know, to talk about that. It's, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's not really important when you're telling everybody that, you know, where dead bury, uh, dead bodies are buried. Um, I just find the, the whole thing and to be involved in it uh, quite bizarre. Um, and, you know, I think the sooner that he, he moves on from this, the better. But I, I don't think he will. But... I can never see Stephen and Paddy sitting in a room together. I think I think there's too much water under the bridge. And to be perfectly honest, I don't think Paddy would turn up, and I don't think either of them, um, either of them would benefit from from that situation. I just think, <coughs> excuse me, it reeks of jealousy, Steve. Like obviously, you've seen Paddy's pattern. Like he he's got a tendency to fall out with everybody. Now Stephen. He's well known and very well respected up and down the country. You know what I mean? And that's it in far many other places in the world. And he's very successful. He's got his books out. He's got uh, the film coming out. I really do. I just really think it stems from a lot of jealousy. And I just don't think he can handle it. You know what I mean? That's that's just my personal opinion. It's it very, like you say, very disrespectful to... The, uh, the dead families and it's I, I, I do hope it ends but I, I, I don't think it stops here that's just another personal opinion as well um, I do believe yeah. he is going to go on obviously clear, clear, clearly from his video yesterday he's not finished I think the um, I mean look the Freemason thing you know he's trying to link Freemasonry and, and bent cops and, and crime and it's not the first time people have done that you know because you know, I dare say that back in the in the, maybe the nineteen sixties and seventies, perhaps when Ben Cops and Freemasonry went hand in hand, he, he is a hundred percent right. Um, you know, were the you know were the Sayers elders Freemasons? I don't know. Was John Bryan Sayers in the Freemasons? I don't know. Um, I am in the Freemasons, and I'm proud of being in the Freemasons because we raise a lot of money for charity. We do. Um, you know, we, we, we do meet, you know, once a month where well, we had done before COVID. Something I thoroughly enjoy mm -hmm. and, you know, something that I was asked to be in, involved in and um, have I benefited from being in the Freemasons? No, not at all. There is nothing, um, there's, there's nothing that I've, in, you know, I've got from being in the Freemasons other than a bit of personal pleasure, um, as in going there, meeting new people, um, you know, doing the ceremony to the best of my ability, 
raising money for charity. And I personally have always said that it's actually made me a better person. You know what I mean? I've definitely changed my life by being in the Freemasons. It makes you think a lot more about life. Um, it's certainly not what people believe it is. It's not, um, it's not satanic. It's not, um, it's not a, a, a devil worshiping club. It's, we don't, we don't kill any animals. It's, um, you know, the average age of the people who go to my lodge are in their seventies and none of them are police officers. So, and there's nothing really shrouded and hidden about it. If you watch a program which was on Sky a while back, it's been on Sky documentaries and it's getting replayed inside the Freemasons with a good friend of mine who's on it, who used to be, it was in Lockstock, uh, Vaz Blackwood, the actor. Yeah. He's, a, he's, a, he's a Freemason. And that program was great. And you can go online, you can see what the ceremony's about. And I, I hate to say it, um, but it's not, it's, it's not very exciting. Um, it's, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to be, you're not going to be, it's, it, it's shrouded in secrecy, the ceremony, but that's, that's because it's, you know, that's just been its thing, but it's, you know, I'm very transparent about it, very open about it. And, um, he's just used that as another, just as another stick to, to, to try and beat me with, you know what I mean? I'm very disappointed, Steve, because I thought you were at the very top of that triangle with a very old C and I. I thought you were in with the people who run the world. I, we? Well, well, in the minute, that's the uh, well, the Illuminati, of course. That's what that is. But you know, from but again, from my point of view, I'm, I'm I've worked hard and and I'm in the I'm in the the chair. I'm 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 a, I'm the worshipful master in my lodge, and you know, like. I always use this as an example, but when the, the terrorist atrocity happened on the Westminster Bridge and you see, you Google it and, and look at the red helicopter that flies in, if you zoom into the back of the helicopter, you'll see the Masonic badge. That was because the, you know, the Grand Lodge donated the money to, to provide that helicopter for the emergency services. So that's where the money goes. You know, we pay subs. It's like, it's like going to a... It's like going to a posh worker men's club, you know. We'll wear a we'll wear like a, a dick, you know, a dicky bow or a black tie and a black suit, and you know, we've got a little case with what with what penny in them we we'll wear, and you know, it's there's ranks and you move up the ranks and you can go, you know, you can go into different different chapters, etc. But it's it's just it's just something different. And if you want to go visit any other lodges, that's where you that's where you start to meet other people. You can you can go to any lodge once you're in. And go to you could go to Bishop Auckland, you could go to South Shields, you could go to Sunderland, wherever you want to go, you can go and you, you know you'd be welcome at another Freemasons Lodge. I enjoy it when I go on holiday to try and find another lodge and see if I can go and visit it. If I go to Spain or if I go to, you know, you go to um, America, wherever you go, there's Freemasons Lodges around the world. It's just nice to go in and look at them. And I always say, if you're from the Northeast, get yourself to Beamish um, because there's a fully uh, functional. Uh, Freemasons Lodge as part of the Beamish Museum, and you can go in. You can have a look at it. You'll see all the lodges on the on the boards. But you can go and sit in a chair. You can, you know, and and the, and the people at Beamish will tell you what it's all about. But um, for me, it's great because it meant I could take the family up and go. Well, this is what I go to. This is you know, this is what I do. And this is you know, and there's not as I say, nothing nothing mysterious about it. But um, yeah, you know, just another another thing, to, another stick to beat us with. Sadly. It, it's just somewhat different, like you were explaining. Obviously, you live a very hectic life, Steve. You're a very busy man, and you, you, to get away from the stuff that you're involved, you know what I mean? It, who cares what you do? That's your free time. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, well, yeah, and, and it's, it, it, it is a bit of escapism. It's something uh-huh. completely different. And as somebody who's chosen acting as a profession, yeah. it gives me an opportunity to, to, to keep my keep my brain ticking over with... Um, with learning some ceremony, which is what we have to do. 
You know what I mean? So learning the ceremony keeps me taking over for learning lines. So it's there's a, there's a little advantage there for work, you know. Still enhancing the brain capacity further. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Keeping keeping the grey matter ticking over, mate. Oh, definitely, definitely. Whilst we're on the light and road, obviously I don't want to keep you for far too long because I know you're really, really busy. Uh, just a couple of questions on the boxing. Uh, can I get your thoughts on the Fury Joshua collapse? Very disappointed in that. Um, however with every cloud's got a silver lining, it means that fans will hopefully be able to go to the fight uh, once it does get re, you know, you know, reset. Mm-hmm. Um, Wilder Fury, oh God, you know, I, I just wish we didn't have to go through this fight. Yeah. Um, I see few, uh, I see Fury winning. Um, the big concern for me is Uzik against Joshua. Yeah. Um, because I personally feel that, you know, if Joshua's not in the right mindset, um, then, uh, wow, Uzi could cause a shock here. And we could we could never see that fight happen, which would be a crying shame, you know? That yeah. fight should have been done and dusted. It should have all been sorted out, and we should have seen Fury against AJ take place. Um, but now, Uzi could really put a, a spanner in the works, you know? Massive spanner, because the man can is a master boxer, you know what I mean? It, 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 that is achievements and accolades, show that. So it, it could really put, like you say, a spanner in the works. How do you feel about the arbitration? The arbitration, what Wilder won? Do you think, obviously with a contract, I know he was injured with the bicep, but obviously that time, the time limit of when the momentum fight had passed, um, do you believe he should have had that, the right to have that third fight with it being such a convincing second fight, uh, vic- uh, victory for Fury? You see, had Fury won both fights, we wouldn't be talking about this, but because because mm. one was a draw, he could win, couldn't he? He could win. There's, he's got a fight as chance. He's got a punching chance. Um, I just feel at that level, it's more corrupt than we, we, we would all think it was. And because they've all got different agents, they've all got different promoters, they've all got different TV networks, it's, it's just a minefield of lawyers and and you know the wb the wbc for instance i mean you, to fight billion might for example to fight for actual eliminators title eliminators shows how corrupt it is you should just have that yeah. one title eliminator and then go for it do you believe that will ever be a point in boxing where i know eddie hearn's trying to monopolize it uh, some people say it's for a it's, it's not good, but I believe if he can, because we're in a transition a transition phase in boxing for promoting at the moment. Uh, yeah. I hate to say it, Bob Arum's getting on in, he's not going to be around forever. Do you believe boxing can work a lot better if it was structured how Dana White's got the UFC? Yeah, probably could. I think there needs to be a major overhaul. Um, it's getting very messy. Um, I, I've always said that, you know, there needs to be some kind of, you know, some kind of um, changes, especially the titles, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, gone are the days of the best fighter fighting the best fighter in boxing, you know. Uh-huh. Um, you, you do see that in UFC. And, and this is the problem because the, the WBA, WBC, you know, it, it just it just becomes a joke. And then uh, fighters are easily sidestepped. And what you're seeing a lot of now as well um, is 
some fighters being signed by some promoters just so that they're taking them out of the equation for maybe a fighter that they want to see do well. Yeah. Um, it's almost like football now where the big six going by a player who everybody else would love to have, but they don't ever play and they sit them on the bench because they're buying them to stop them playing for one of these other teams. Terence it's, Crawford, for example. Exactly. It's just, it's not on, is it? It's, it's, right. it's, and, and I mean, it's, and people move the goalposts. So Thomas Patrick Ward is probably one of the, the most technical fighters in the Northeast. Yet the guy, the guy should have had a world title shot by now, mm-hmm. but every time he gets close to one, the goalposts are moved and, and he sidestepped, um, you know, and, and that for me is just, it's unacceptable, but it's boxing at this moment in time. And until something changes, then, you know, the best fighters will never fight the best fighters. You know, I've got my, my, my uh, fighter, Alice Corey fighting for the English title on the, on the 18th of September in Sheffield. Um, you know, now if he can beat Sammy Lantwi, it's a big fight. Um, he's out in Spain at the minute training, but, you know, if he can beat Antwi, then who's he going to fight next? You know what I mean? Oh. Because you're then, you're then looking at British and, yeah. you know, you're suddenly talking, you know, people are going to start looking at him. People are looking at him already, but now people are going, hmm, this is an interesting <laughs> fight. And if he wins this one and, and then it's, who's going to, who's he going to fight? Who's going to sidestep? Who's going to avoid him? Because he's dangerous. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah. a dangerous fighter. Um Look, I love boxing. It's 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 my second passion after football, as you know. And um, you know, for me, I just I just wish there was a little bit more um, understanding and discipline. But when money's involved, then unfortunately, that's going to be the king for most of these promoters. They just want to make money. Not everybody's like me. I'm not motivated by money. Money's not my god. Um, as a promoter, I just want to see the best the best fights, and I want to see the best fighters fighting. And I, and I think. I'd love to have seen some of these bigger promoters. I'd love to see it still happen, try and reach out and help the small hole promoters. Cause without those small hole promoters, fighters don't come through. And on the 19th of July, when uh, you know, lockdown is lifted, you know, I'm hoping that we get an email from the boxing board to say that we don't have to have PPE and COVID tests, et cetera, at ringside. I'm presuming that's what's going to happen mm-hmm. because at the moment we can't put any fights on and we haven't been able to put any on for 15 months. Now, we've all ri- literally got to start again. Um, I'd love to see some of the bigger promoters reach out and help the likes of me and Phil Jeffries uh, promoting shows in the Northeast. Yeah, would, because I was just about to ask, is Ellis fighting on Fight Zone? Um, I, would presume, I would presume he is. I haven't checked the dates. We got a phone call from Jason McClory um, at the start of the week just to say um, that, that that was the situation that he was, you know, that was 18th of September. And it was at Sheffield, so I presume it must be on fight zone, yeah. Because uh, we we've been allocated like press credentials for down there, for on there. So I, I hope he is on there because hopefully we can grab an interview with him. We've done a few of their fighters who's been on the, uh, their network. So well, once he gets back from Spain, it would be nice to try and do something beforehand. But if you um, you know you know if you find out before me, let me know, and it would be good that because it would be nice to do some build up to that fight oh, with uh, with Ellis when he's back in the northeast. You know. Yeah, I would love to do that, Steve. I really would. Um, last question. I cannot let you leave without asking you a question about Newcastle season. How, how many keys? Obviously, we need an overhaul of the team completely. But key areas where do you think it's we really need to focus on if we're to be any better? 
We're all right with the goalkeeping situation. Uh, we're spoiled for choice there. You know, with uh, Dubravka as your number one, um, you know, Darlow, if he stays, is still, you know, proved that he, beyond all reasonable doubt, that he was great as a number two. Um, you know, he may want to leave. Woodman, of course, is there. Um, you know, he could be used possibly as a bit of a, a makeshift weight, a make weight in the in the Willock deal. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Mark, you know, we've got Gillespie as well, Geordie Lad, who just seems to be happy just to be in and around the club. So I think we're okay, goalkeeper. Um, centre halves were spoiled for choice. I think full backs, you know, could always be improved. I think we we could we, we could still do with maybe another one there. We need we desperately need Willock to sign. If not, we need a creative midfield player who can score goals like Willock, um, ASAP. And we still need another forward. Um, it depends, though, who, who, who we let go. I'd hate to see Richie go. I think he might go this summer. Um, but I'd love to see us keep Richie. But, of course, it depends whether we're shopping in Harrods or whether we're shopping in the pound shop. And, you know, if we get this takeover, which we all would like to see happen sooner rather than later, then we're going to have a hell of a lot more money to spend um, you know, than, than we would have if uh, the takeover hadn't gone through. So it's all eyes on Mike Ashley's cases and NCSL's case, um, you know, with and, and hoping that Nick DeMarco can keep up his unbeaten record and get the takeover through. Great to see Amanda Stavely come out last night and speak on Sky um, and, and talk about, you know, her vision for, for, for the football club and that she wanted to see transparency with this takeover case. So let's hope that, you know, let's hope she gets a wish and we get our wish in the summer. Oh, yeah. Fingers, fingers crossed. Right, Steve, that's pretty much it, honestly. Uh, uh, you know how I feel. I always appreciate your time. You, I, I think you're the man. So I'd just like to thank you for coming on. It's It's been an absolute pleasure, as always. No, thanks, mate. Good luck with the boxing stuff and uh, keep up the great work with Bad Blood Podcast and uh, uh, big shout out to all your viewers. Uh, thanks very much, Steve. You're the man, mate. Thank you. Take care, mate. God bless you. Ta-da, mate.